So I'm here with uh, Logan Rando. Logan, how are you? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing really good. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for joining me. So, Logan, I first came across your work on uh, Boost Plant videos on their uh, YouTube channel and thought, wait a minute, who's this guy? Because uh, you, you had a great energy and uh, your message was very clear. It was uh, really made an impression on me, to be honest. And so uh, just in the spirit of wanting to get to know you a little bit better and uh, maybe share your message with a with a broader audience. Uh, really excited to have you on today. So thanks for joining me. Oh, absolutely. I'm really excited to be here. And yeah, I've been uh, working with Boost Plant uh, since, I think it was, uh, we got started in May of uh, 2022. So, oh, I don't know, about six months or so. And we did an entire beginner series, uh, kind of from A to Z on like how to get into aquascaping, very beginner tailored. So it was a really cool experience for me. I've been in the aquascaping hobby for about seven years, um, taking it pretty seriously from day one. So this was a cool challenge in that I had to like go back and really test my foundational knowledge because it's one thing that, you know, to think you know something and understand it, but then to teach it is a totally different level. So it was a really cool opportunity to go back and like, you know, kind of re-solidify all this information and then, uh, try and put it out there in an entertaining, kind of inspirational way. So, yeah, I'm re really grateful for that collaboration, and we've got a lot more going on. And on top of that, I have my own YouTube channel that for about a year and three months I've been putting out weekly videos for, and once again, really grateful that that's, that's grown quite a bit since I first started. And, uh, yeah, it's a ton of work, but I love it, super passionate about it. And uh, best thing about it is it combines my love of uh, video uh, editing and, and aquascaping. So super cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, so while you were somewhat of a new face to me personally, um, you have been involved here for a few years now. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of your earlier work and uh, a little more about how you got to where you're at now with aquascaping and yeah, content creation. Absolutely. So it's been it's been a pretty zigzaggy journey, but like so many of us, um, about seven years ago, um, I wanted to start a fish tank and I was in my mid-20s. So decided to do a little bit of research. You know, how do you make a fish tank good? You know, I was at that stage where I really wanted to do things right. And like so many of us, I was doing some Googling and I came across the work of Takashi Amano. And I was just blown away. I remember seeing this picture of an Iwagumi. And I think just the idea of like being able to carpet plants just completely, you know, blew my mind when I saw that. So I went down this rabbit hole of obsessive research and, and, and doing at the same time, you know, as I was researching stuff, watching YouTube videos. And back then, this was seven years ago, like YouTube wasn't a really big thing with aquascaping. There weren't, you know, as many high quality, great channels as there are today. Back then, um, you know, the, the one that really inspired me was, was the green machine. When I saw those videos, it kind of demystified a lot of the process. And then just from the filmmaking and video production perspective, I was like, whoa, if I ever do YouTube, this is what I would want to do. So yeah, fast forward a few years of just, you know, trial and error. Um, and one of the biggest obstacles was sourcing materials. So as you, you know, know so well, Jeff, aquascaping is a very resource heavy art form. You know, it's not like uh, photography where you just need your camera, you know, a memory card, a lens. Aquascaping is every time you create one of these things, you need 
you know, several hundred to several thousand dollars of uh, materials and equipment. So yes, trying to source things and, and plants particularly and put everything together was really challenging. So it'd be a lot of like driving around, trying to find stuff, going to like 10 different stores across a 40 mile radius. But I was so into this and prior to discovering it, I was kind of at a weird part of my life where I just felt like totally lost, kind of out of uh, college a few years with a degree I wasn't using, doing a job I hated. So this ended up really rekindling like my childhood curiosity and childhood love for just like doing things that felt right. And uh, yeah, I couldn't stop doing it. So naturally, you know, it's just like physics. When you put so much energy into something, it's it's only a matter of time before, you know, particles collide with the the other right particles. And I ended up making some really fantastic connections in the hobby with uh, Yuri Zuchayevs and working with him as his video editor and getting the fly out to Europe and and working with him and Adam Pascala and um, Balash of Green Aqua and getting to see what some of those guys do. And uh, when I moved to Oregon about a year ago, I decided, all right, now is the time to to kind of do my own thing and, and find my own little path uh, in content creation with Aquascaping. So I started the YouTube channel and uh, it's just been a tremendous experience and it, all, all of it, even the, uh, you know, early stages is, has just been so exciting for me. Yeah. Very, very cool. So yeah, I mean, pretty early on, you were able to interface with some, uh, some known names, you know, some guys that were already doing, uh, pretty high level, pretty big audience content creation. So I'm sure that was a great learning experience expanding on the technical side of shooting this stuff, which is not the easiest subject in the world. I mean, beyond yeah. the complexities of putting aquascapes together, the cost, like you say, resource intensive, the complexities of uh, video and to some extent photo capture of aquariums brings a lot of unique challenges to it. So I imagine that those were great informative experiences, uh, especially where you're on the hook in front of other people's work and it's on you to capture it, uh, yeah. you know, in a professional manner and provide the editing and everything else. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great foundation. And one I think is probably might be the harder side of the equation to come by. I mean, if you've already been doing aquascaping, et cetera, but you want to expand the means by which you can share it, uh, learning some of those technical things is definitely, definitely a curve to that side of it. So that probably explains why, again, when I first came across uh, the the boost plant videos and looked further into what you were doing, um, and it's what made me go, okay, who is this guy? I need to know more about this guy. I'm curious because uh, you, know, you, you had a little deeper sense of uh, experience, a little more polish uh, to the thing, which, um, which I think is cool. I mean, clearly it's something that is going to be uh, more of an attractive element on a, on a channel and content creation in general when uh, the yeah. presentation is good. So that was noticeable. I, I appreciate that, Jeff. Um, it's, it's one of the things that I try and, you know, distinguish myself. Um, I, I still, to be honest, consider myself, even though I've been doing this for seven years, which, you know, for somebody like you who has been in the hobby for much longer doesn't seem like a lot. There's a lot of scapers who have been doing it for like one to two years who, oh, sure. man, their their work is unbelievable. So, you know, I'm still learning every day. I'm still trying to improve my craft. I mean, this is going to be a lifetime art form and craft for me. So, 
in terms of like what I want to accomplish, I sort of see myself as like a, you know, intermediate aquascaper in that, all right, I got the basics down. I can, you know, get consistent results, but not quite achieving what I want artistically every time. So yeah, it's, it's a huge learning experience. And with that in mind, you know, knowing that, all right, I'm not the best aquascaper on the planet. How can I distinguish myself? Um, that's where I try and, you know, use my production value and my, my storytelling sensibilities because prior to discovering aquascaping, um, you know, I was trying to figure out my life, you know, kind of lost out of college, not really having a ton of things to look forward to. And I got into acting, uh, originally voiceover, which led me to take acting classes, which led me to act in short films, which led me to attempt directing which led me to learn editing. So I was doing filmmaking uh, pretty hardcore. I, I was like head over heels in love with it. Still am today. Um, but as I discovered aquascaping, I found this really weird way to to combine those two worlds. And again, like to bring up the physics thing, I had just never experienced such like passion for things. Now that I, with this, I was at this point in my life where I was doing what felt right and I was doing things for me and not really listening to society or what anybody else said. I was just doing the things that really felt good to me. And this was just like this perfect harmony where I had just wrapped a few of my short films. And and if you ever edit a short film, it's like boot camp for editing. Like you're going to come out of that with battle scars and you're going to have learned something. And I remember watching a George Farmer video eating lunch in my apartment in Albany, New York at the time. And uh, they were at this uh, German expo and George was kind of giving Yuri's a shout out. They ran into each other and George was like, hey, Yuri's needs an editor. If you're a video editor, like reach out to him. This guy's got to put out some videos. Stop what I was doing, DM'd him on Instagram and and the rest just kind of worked out. And uh, I'm so glad I like stopped and, and you know, did what felt right in that moment because I don't know, maybe I wouldn't be talking to you right now, Jeff, if if I hadn't stopped eating my food right then and there. So I was able to, you know, leverage those editing skills and the storytelling skills that I had developed and and sort of uh, combine them with aquascaping. And, you know, several years of doing that later with Yuri's, I felt like, man, I, I know a lot about YouTube now. I know a lot about video production. I know how to make engaging videos. Um, yeah, I got to try this for myself. And I yeah. learned so much from editing all that footage, uh, just seeing like how many plants Yuri's use, the materials, how patient he is and the way he arranges things is so methodical and deliberate and there there's no like on a whim like oh grab a plant here grab a plant there it is truly like an artist like okay here's my canvas i'm going to use this color here this color here this color here and that just like totally gave me a new perspective yeah very very cool um from a more hobbyist or practical standpoint i mean just in terms of doing the work itself a uh, creative process itself, uh, because you you touched on uh, a point a couple of times in there about resources and the sort of resource intensity of aquascaping or uh, really, I mean, aquariums in, in general, but once you start adding plants to the equation, you know, you're expanding the number of things that need to be uh, in place and, you know, those variables under control in some kind of way to make it go like you want to, which usually means controlling algae. I mean, that's sort of, I find yeah. the majority of what we're doing along the process, the overwhelming majority is geared towards mitigating algae growth. But, um, anyway, um, 
And I'm always intrigued when people make the reference to the driving around to so many stores and this sort of thing. So compared to, let's say, seven years ago versus now, and let's just say uh, your relationship with a supplier, in this case, like a boost plant, um, let's say that sort of that relationship aside, do you, do you find or did you find or you continue to find that it's hard to get what you need when you need it for aquascaping in the United States? Because that's where we are. And you also had the reason I'm so curious is because you had the benefit of being in the European scene uh, quite a lot at a high level in seeing the availability of resources there versus what we what we tend to find here. Um I'm curious about this, uh, the, just maybe the difference that you experienced in the European market versus the U.S. And, uh, you know, if you find that that continues to be a struggle or put yourself in the position of the person that's newer to this, which, again, your your content creation has that slant to it. It's not exclusively beginner oriented, but, uh-huh. you know, that's often a lot of it because so many new people are coming in and for whatever reason the a clear path to doing it still seems tricky to find um but when it comes to resources what what's your assessment of the current situation predominantly here in the u.s market again that comparison to the european market interests me yeah so I mean, it was it was such an interesting perspective getting the go to Germany and uh, Hungary and Belgium and working on these uh, pretty cool projects uh, with all those scapers I mentioned earlier. And that was one of the things that really I, w- I was kind of in awe of it. I remember like looking at all the plants and and just seeing how healthy and fresh they were and how many they were. I was like really in awe of that at the time, kind of like a kid in a candy shop. So. Yeah, that was that was sort of the first thing I, I realized. Um, and, and this was a few years ago that I was in Europe, way before I had this relationship with Boost Plant. Um, and I just remember thinking, man, like, I wish I could get all these plants in like 48 hours, you know, because we were right. working on this, this millionaire's tank in this penthouse in Belgium. It was this huge project. I was filming like, I was filming it documentary style. And I remember at breakfast, like, a day or two into the project, they call up and order the plants. And then 48 hours later, they're all delivered like beautifully in styrofoam. And at that point, I was still in drive across 40 miles. Hey, do you have any uh, Hemianthus Cuba? What's that? Okay, no worries. Hey, do you have any Micranthema Monte Carlo? Uh, there might be something in the And then it's like a, a pot of goo and it's like, oh, no. Um, so I was still in that stage where it's like, all right, just grab this Java fern right here. Oh, you have a little bit of moss. It's just this ragtag, you know, kind of assembly of whatever you can get your hands on. Um, and then I remember a few years into the hobby, I was I was big on Reddit at the time. That was like how I was posting my own work and uh, kind of sharing what I do. And I think it was there that I discovered Boost Plant because um, they had posted their work and I was like, on Reddit, it's it's still pretty limited. Um, it's not like a super aquascaping-centric community there. It's more a lot of people who are like, hey, why do I have algae? Very, very beginner-focused. So when I saw this really high-level work on Reddit from, you know, Americans, nonetheless, I was like, whoa, I got I to gotta figure out how, who these people are. Um, so, yes, yeah, several years into the hobby, I discovered that Boost Plant existed. And um, having talked to them recently, you know, when I first started working with them, I was so curious about, hey, what, what's your stories? 
And um, I spoke to Matt over at Boost Plant, and he told me that, yeah, you know, we were in the same boat as you. Um, we just wanted to get our hands on on good quality stuff. So we decided to do something about it. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's my understanding that um, in the States uh, – so, so what I'm saying, it seems like there's some objective truth to it. This isn't just our perspective. Um, and I've since learned that we just don't have the infrastructure – for plant production that Europe um, and, and parts of Asia have. Um, so, you know, many years ago, like, you know, Tropica in the 70s and stuff, people came in and they, and they built, you know, multi-million dollar, um, you know, facilities to, to uh, manufacture, process, and ship out these plants. And with the hobby being a little bit slow to catch on in the States, the freshwater side of things, that just doesn't exist yet. So um, Boost Plant, um, has kind of filled that gap by providing, you know, amazing quality plants and, and such a variety, you know, stu stuff that I would have uh, found a dream come true when I first got into the hobby. But it seems like we're still missing that big infrastructure that, you know, uh, would allow us to have like massive greenhouses. Like I, I've been to Denerla plants in uh, Germany and just walking through those greenhouses, it's like, it is some Willy Wonka stuff. It's like, whoa, just seeing the giant microsorum mother plants and all the floaters in their natural state. And it's just incredible. So we don't quite have that yet, but I don't know. I'm so optimistic. Um, you know, Boost Plant, Ultimate Nature Systems, and, and some other companies are, are doing so much to spread the awareness and, and bring the cool stuff into the hobby. That, um, you know, I think as people become more into the aquascaping side of things, we're going to get there. But, yeah, there's certainly um, a disparity between the European market and, and what we have here in the States. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something that I, I just like to draw awareness to. Um, it's not a topic I hear covered all that often in the content creation and in the uh, in other, you know, just podcasts and just listening to aquarium themed content that's also you know there's more to aquarium themed content than just aquarium plants but um clearly on the freshwater side the aquascaping nature aquarium you know planted aquariums it's where there's a lot of action there there's a lot of action there. <laughs> so um and it it's just something again yeah I, I i'm probably selfishly overly seeking confirmation that I'm not a crazy person, and uh, this is really uh, something of an issue. And like you say, getting finding the plant you were looking for, uh, either receiving it in a box from the post office where it had shipping delays and it was hot outside or whatever, or even finding it in a local fish store, uh, many of which in the U.S. are, uh, you know, it's just I got to be so careful here. So I, I know you, you know you're I don't want to insult anyone's favorite local fish store but in my opinion most of them are still woefully lacking um in the proper presentation of plants and then this stuff never it can't get any traction if it's yeah. uh never treated correctly in other words the, it's a simple supply and demand situation when the only available supply ends up being a cup of mush then the demand is going to go down right so um, it is something maybe I'm sort of secretly trying to uh, plant a seed to get other content creators to start pointing to this a little bit more because it raises awareness. And with that comes more 
either straight interest, more demand, and potentially more investment, because that's really all it's lacking in my view right now. You know, we do have one uh, aquatic plant nursery in the United States where they've been around for decades, uh, Florida Aquatic Nurseries. Okay. And this okay. is in no way a, I'm not uh, being overly critical of them. It's their business and they're completely free to run it as they wish. It's completely fine. And we're all completely uh, free to have an opinion about it, you know? So that's all that this, it's an opinion and nothing more. But I think you pointed to something, uh, maybe inadvertently, but that I think rings true. They're not really focused on aqu aquascaping or creating a composition in an aquarium. And uh, there's kind of a format problem that I see in a way the way the plants are often presented or the species that they focus on. The ones they have and then don't have, um, I think, only perpetuate the problem of, you know, those things that we know have a reliable or predictable outcome in creating underwater scenes versus growing some plants in an aquarium, right. you know. So um, I believe uh, you... Worked at Petco for a brief time at one point. Was that is that true? Did you mention that? Uh, no, I so I've never worked at um, a pet store, or a fish store, or anything like that. Okay. But that was one of the first places I shopped around when I was okay. um, when I was like looking the source materials. I think I started at uh, like Petco, PetSmart. Um, sure, branched into the local you know local fish store spots as well. You know, literally anywhere I could I could get my hands on and. I mean, I, th I think you pretty much summed it up really well in terms of, you know, nobody's really connecting the dots for the customer. So when you see like an empty aquarium next to five pots of like five different mosses, I mean, it's it's like if you wanted to get in the painting, but you had never seen a painting and like in front of you are like five different colors of paint. Here's a canvas you might not know what to do with all that stuff. However, if you went to gallery and you saw what Rembrandt could do and you saw what Monet does and what Basquiat does, you'd be like, oh, okay, so I can, you know, I can do this with the paint. And that's where, and again, I to, to harken back to what you said, um, I don't want to insult any local fish stores. I understand, like, you know, it's it's tough to run a business like that and you got to do what drives your part profit margin. But one of the things I want to get into for the new year, now that I have a little bit of a platform, is in my local area of Portland, Oregon, going to some of these local stores and seeing if I can like help connect the dots for customers. Because I find that, and I've heard this from other business owners, that if you show the customer what is possible with aquascaping right next to the products, then plant, sell, plant sales like skyrocket sure. if you show them what can be achieved. And I think that's missing. And from, you know, anytime I go to a new store, I talk to the employees and you, you kind of like subtly are seeing hmm, how knowledgeable are these people? You know, you ask certain questions, you can pretty much tell right away by their response, like, you know, how much do they know about aquascaping versus just fish keeping? And I think that, you know, that is kind of just what we're missing is I think if, you know, all the employees have that cursory understanding of like, oh yeah, here's some easy plants. Here's kind of how you use them, you know, uh, Here's here's how you set up a basic composition and then having some of those in your store that are well maintained. I think that alone, like when I watch all the videos from the shops in Europe, um yeah, they, they just have it. like 
beautiful scapes and every yeah. single one of them talks about how, yeah, customers come in and then they, and they say, I want to recreate that. How do I do that? So that I think is a huge thing of, of what we're missing is just that the proof of concept of what is possible. And then I think, I think the rest will come because aquascaping is still, you know, it's, it's far from ubiquitous. It's, it's a term that you know, it's, it's a silly example, but every time I go on a date, I, I ask myself, man, how do I even explain this? Should I bring this up? It is not an easy thing to sum up in like one to three sentences. And I usually find myself just like dropping the topic after a while because, you know, Americans especially, we have a hard time conceptualizing what that could be. And there are so many different notions of what an aquarium is because most of us grow up with, you know, a messy thing with like, you know, SpongeBob and, and the clown puke gravel and stuff. So it, we, we already get to get past that, you know, notion of what an aquarium is, but then to get somebody to like, understand like, no, no, these are real live plants. These are real stones, real wood. It's difficult. It's really, really difficult. So, you know, um, show don't tell is, is, uh, a common, you know, philosophy and storytelling it. And I think it, it, it works so well for aquascaping. Show somebody what's possible. Show somebody the work of, you know, Takashi Amano. And, you know, at that point, it's over. Yeah, that's always, obviously, his stuff is always really effective. But there's a lot more today, too. And yeah, that's such a, I think you're just dead on there with the with that show, Don't Tell, which basically says, in terms of a local fish store, tropical fish store, brick and mortar situation, that uh, you, you, display-centric I think is is how I tend to think of it, and it's how I've, I've tried to craft my retail. Is you know when you walk in, it's more of that gallery feel, and we're going to lead with the part of the aquarium that people want it for in the first place, which is the underwater scene. The nostalgic underwater scene is really what what we want foremost. I, I think regardless of the style that you're into, that's that rings true. Um, and yeah, I think that is the, the really the the gateway to demand. And then until that happens, I think we probably will continue to struggle in some kind of way because it is. Yeah. And you know, I just to me, it's just such a vital conversation. That I don't quite see. I know because it's not it's not especially well received or cool to be uh, critical. On social media, we're always supposed to be yeah. sort of eternally optimistic. Everything is great. This is amazing. You're going to make one of these scapes too, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm reaching a point with it after so many years at at the retail level, trying to do it in a different sort of way, and obviously trying to show what's possible. And then say, well, over here, you didn't even see them when you came in, but over here are all the products to make that happen. With the plants being close by, though, that you're right there about that, that having the having the plants next to the scape, um, that's a good strategy for sure. But still, so many people are, you know, well intended. They have money to spend, even you know. I mean, for better or for worse, it's to do a modern aquascape tank. There's an investment situation there. I know that's yeah. it's another area I find is not okay somehow not we're not supposed to say all that on social right. media or in our content creation everything's fine it's there's always a cheap way to do it uh you don't want to be coming off like you're in some sort of rich person's hobby or what whatever and i think in some ways that could be 
could be starting to to hurt the situation a, a little bit um because there's some there's some hard realities there that I think need <laughs> to be addressed head on and this resource problem I guess is just a big one for me so you're in a really unique position uh in my view as someone who's really been immersed in in another market where the resources appear to be much more abundant and you're creating content and you're a passionate hobbyist who has been through the rounds of trying to uh, find what you need to do the idea in your head you know you're getting inspired on social media and then you you're, you're getting <laughs> ideas from there and you want to go out and create it and it's still quite challenging and um i'm only belaboring the point <laughs> in hopes of making some kind of imprint this is something that needs attention out there uh in my opinion it needs attention in the content creation side and and all of that too because in, and, and maybe you went through a step like this too and i'm curious if you did actually where you've got the five gallon tank you've got soil in there but no co2 and in an okay light, and most LED lights are relatively capable, I find, even if they don't appear to be bright enough or made yeah. for plants or whatever. And, and you're trying to do, let's say, an HC carpet. And, you know, you're missing one of the essential ingredients of making an HC carpet, and that's CO2. Has, did someone do it once without CO2? Yes. Did they make a video of it? Yes. Does it have 1.2 million views? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is yeah. it reliable and with a predictable outcome? In my experience, no. Um, and so that is still so rampant today. You know, in other words, the presentation of things is more of a formula, a recipe, a, a clear path, and then the means by which to acquire the resources. You know, I'm probably rambling on this, man, but it's really just something that uh, you you bring a unique perspective too because you're you're actually you've got a foot in in all of those different areas of of concern yeah. and, uh, and, you, and, you and, and on we, all. we live in the united states we don't live in yeah. europe and asia so we're here right and we're trying to do the cool stuff too and uh yeah. this resource this re resource problem is uh is kind of real um and so that that's the only reason i probably dwell on that so much but uh yeah, I mean it's an it's such an important topic, and and having been on all sides of it, and and um, you know still that it's my biggest bottleneck with content creation is is resource acquisition. This stuff is expensive. I'm I'm not you know getting a ton of stuff for free every month or anything like that. I still pay for everything. I just know you know I have a great relationship with an amazing company that has access to the stuff, but. Yeah, it's still, you know, there's still limitations. There's still patience involved. Sometimes things are out of stock. So um, it was just in the beginning, you know, having to drive 40 miles to to maybe get two plants. I'm so grateful to be where I am now. But yeah, I mean, there's so much room for improvement. Um, I think as hobbyists, you know, all we can do is is take personal action. Um, it's it, I think it can it can be a difficult position to be in. And it can get really easy to just get um, a little bit disgruntled with the situation, be like, oh, man, I wish we had European resources. Um, and, and you know, that's where um, I love YouTubers who are super positive about that and, and talk about, you know, go to your local fish store, talk to them, see if you could do a demo. Yeah. Because um, I believe there are good scapers everywhere. You know, they're, they're sure. sometimes few and far between. 
Um, but there's there's probably, you know, one or two killer scapers in every city in this country. And, you know, what you, I think what is the most effective is just educating people in a way that isn't, you know, offensive, just like, hey, let me show you something that's possible. And I think, you know, local fish stores are going to be down with that because it just creates a whole new community. So I'm now in this position with my YouTube channel where I have a, you know, weekly platform. I can, you know, kind of spread the aquascaping love to my local community. I've had a few local Portland people, you know, comment on my stuff and be like, hey, like, didn't know you lived here. This is awesome. So I'm hoping to um, get in some some stores in the new year. Um, I'm in, I'm in contact with uh, somebody right now, and I'm hoping to just start you know doing very simple demos and and just kind of doing what I do on YouTube in real life, sure. which is like a little bit of a dream come true for me because I love to you know perform. I I do acting and, and improv and stuff like that. So to be able to like do that in real life and show people something I'm so passionate about, I'm hoping and praying that you know not only will that be really fun, but maybe it'll change my market here a little bit in Portland. Because I have to say, what I had in upstate New York, by the time I was leaving, man, things were getting good. I had a little shop that, you know, was carrying high-end aquascaping stuff. And then I moved back here, and it's much more fish-keeping oriented. So okay. I would like to support the local stores a little bit more, but they just don't have what I need. You know, it's like being an oil painter, and all they have is, uh, you know, like acrylic paint. It's like, no, nah, I need I need my oils. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty much limited to, to shopping online at the moment. Um, yeah. And I, I would like to change that. So, you know, to kind of sum up what we discussed, I want to believe that it is just, um, you know, lack of uh, understanding what it's possible and lack of connecting the dots. And if guys and uh, girls, uh, you know, and aquascapers like us can help connect those dots. Yeah, that's that. I think that's a very honorable, you know, mission to have. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you is the, I know you're there in uh, in Portland. Is there still a shop mm -hmm. called the Wet Spot there? Yeah, yeah. The Wet Spot is great, uh, I mean, probably, great probably the fish wise a very a great yeah. shop. Oh I yeah. Don't, I don't That's know how much shop. they get they get into plants and that sort of thing, but um, I've been aware of them for a long time as a really delving more into you know rare and unique and um, known for like cool nano fish and just. A lot of unique things that are, I think they're known around the country even. Yeah. Oh, they're, that. they're, the their fish selection is unbelievable. The yeah. Yeah. Name great, great name. Great name. <laughs> amazing facility. Cool part right. of town too. Yeah. Really? Um, okay. But yeah, their, their fish selection is incredible. Um, and it, it seems like they're a little bit more knowledgeable about plants. They have uh, a, a really nice submerged section of plants. Um, but I'm still not quite seeing that like, okay, here's all your beautiful tissue culture. Right. Um, and yeah, there, there's a whole set of challenges associated with getting the customer con to connect with, uh, you know, the end result in the tissue culture because tissue culture, you know, looks are so deceiving with that. And like every single video I make, I always have a little blurb on, Hey, I know these look small, but they're super densely packed. You divide them up into a ton. They're algae free, pest free, snail free. You get a lot from a little bit, but it's okay. it's difficult to to get people to connect that, but it's something I'm really passionate about the tissue yeah. culture thing. So on that note, because I was just thinking in my head of uh, something I definitely wanted to ask you about, and that's your I saw on your Instagram a new Iwagumi that you were doing mm -hmm. with look like tissue culture H HC is, is the primary, if not only plant in there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so, do you? Uh, what what is your experience with 
Tissue Culture HC is a great example, actually, uh, because it is one in tissue culture format that uh, I give it a 50-50 every time that I use it. Uh, it's going to grow perfectly, flawlessly, and great, or it's going to melt. Or if I used five pots, three pots worth are going to melt, and the other two are going to be yeah. totally fine. And uh, nobody can tell me why. No, yeah. Uh, Tropica themselves can't give me a concise explanation. No one really can. It's just sort of, well, that's just the tissue culture situation. Uh, do, do you, and I'm just, all, I always have to ask, <laughs> do you run into those kinds of problems or do you have that same sort of uh, uh -huh. inner hesitation? Every time you put it in there, there's that little thing in the back of your mind. This may not work. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say... And th this is this is my biggest obstacle, I would say, in the hobby is because, li like you mentioned earlier, like our aquascaping philosophy and and style of doing things that originated with Mister Amato, it is sort of a, a replication of processes where we hope to get you know repeatable, dependable results. And yeah, melting plants is is my personal biggest obstacle that I am trying to limit like, okay, what specifically, you know, seems to be associated with this? How can I like accurately predict what's going to melt, what's not going to melt? And it's interesting because I know many scapers who exclusively use um, uh, tissue culture and they barely get any melt. That said, I have fairly unique water um, in my old city of Albany, incredibly soft, came out of the tap at uh, 50 to 70 TDS. And it's the same thing here in Portland, except even softer. My water comes out at uh, like 20 TDS. So nice. we're talking super low mineral content here. And it's my understanding that um, KH, um, when you flood something, is is going to be potentially the biggest contributor to plant melt. So I'm in the pro So to answer your question, yes, Jeff, it is plant melt is my absolute biggest struggle in this hobby. I have done hours and hours of research trying to figure this out because that logical part of my brain keeps me up at night you know it, well, all the other the things pot, i do out of the cup yeah. you're going this looks incredible it could not yeah. be healthier it's it's yeah. amazing and there should be no problems and um and yet here comes the melt which again there's there's still so much revolving around this the beginner notion educating you know this and I'm kind of going, wow, we're we're some years in here. And the majority, I was even thought, I was thinking, somebody needs to start a channel that's just for high-level high aquascapers. Only. Like the beginner would just, yeah. they would be like, oh my God, what are they even talking about here? No <laughs> thing. Like I want something that's like a turnoff yeah. to beginners, you know, yeah. just for the vi people that's just very next level with it. You know, I'm not, I'm not even, maybe that exists already. I don't know. There's things that sort of show according but you know in terms of process and issues and and problems for the high level scaper probably doesn't exist because there's probably not enough high level scapers to fuel a channel it's the interest of people coming in to it and henceforth the the bigger following can be built faster on information that is more educational to somebody who needs to learn all about it from the start my point is that these things like melting plants you know uh, or tissue culture that looks so deceiving is it's looking it looks so perfect out of the cup. Yeah. 
And it even starts to grow. HC will start to send out runners in, in within days. And then about that, that 10 to 14 day window for me is the time of the greatest. Uh, it's just anxiety filled. Yeah. You know, yeah. 26 years aquascaping and not with tissue culture. That's obviously came here more recently, but even before that, you know, it was a thing, but with, with TC plants in particular. And so again, why am I even bringing all this up and asking? Well, one, I think these subjects need a little more focused attention. I don't know if it's particularly useful because in the sense that we don't exactly always know why it's happening, right. but I see content creator making a, a nano Iwagumi with a carpet, which is just an immensely popular uh, kind of, uh, there's a notion of that being almost like a point of entry type of layout, which I, yeah, I would disagree. Yeah. I would disagree. That's not a great, it, it's more challenging. There's less plants in there taking up the nutrient, all those reasons. It's actually a little more sophisticated, but it, but doable. It's still doable as a first layout. But um, I see that and I, and I see all the pots of the HC tissue culture going there. I'm going, okay, if it doesn't go well, please show us, you know, please yeah. show everybody. Um, because the number of people that I interface with in my own store on a regular basis, and they're coming in generally for the first time that are trying to do stuff because they saw it. Well, I just watched, I followed this guy, Logan Rando, uh, on Instagram and he was, he had a little Luagumi like this and you sell those same rocks here and he's doing this. Uh, and, and they're just, the assumption is like, as long as I buy the same things, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to work and be great. Yeah. And I'm here yeah. to tell everybody that at least at this point that that that's not the case for me. I mean, I do right. a 45 centimeter Iwagumi with tissue culture HC and um I'm already planning to have to add some more or siphon out the melted stuff or move to hair grass or or whatever. So, I don't know. I'm always Story looking for confirmation for that. that that I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a crazy person. You are you are not crazy, Jeff, and I'm glad to hear I'm not crazy either because <laughs> yeah, I sometimes fall victim to the man, how is everybody keeping their stuff so clean? Right. And it's like um and in the case of this little Iwagumi I just set up, it's it's Monte Carlo, so you know, maybe some of that is the solution is like recommending you know, something like a Monte Carlo over a Cuba. I don't know. That's a really difficult like point of contact with the, with the general public is like, how do you tell somebody like, yeah, replicate all these steps, but you know, just so you know, everything you buy here, you could do everything right. 70% of it could melt. What's melting? Oh, that means it dies and turns to mush and your money is gone. That's a tough one that I think we're, you know, we're still figuring out. I mean, you've been in the hobby for a really long time. And if, if you're still experiencing unpredictable melt, you know, I think that says something that, you know, this is not a perfect science, which makes it a little bit intriguing to me, um, sure. but also a little bit frustrating when you spend $70 on, you know, carpeting plants and some of them melt. So yeah, it is something that I, I deal with very frequently and I try my best to document it. Um, I, I, ha I literally have a video called the tank that almost broke me, a story yeah. of aquascaping perseverance. And it's about uh, a 45P I set up uh, a little over a year ago where planted it, was like, whoa, I can't wait for this. Uh, everything melted. It's like, all right, this sucks, but I'm going to replant. I got more melt. So I was just like in my, in my uh, you know, <laughs> losses, I was like, all right, I'm going to make a video out of this because I think other people can relate. And yeah, you know, it starts conversations and it's easy to get down about stuff like that. But, you know, then you 
all you can do is is just think about all right you know what's missing here or what's what's so variable and what i try and focus on is consistency and uh in my conditions where the water is super soft and you have very low kh um there's a lot of room for inconsistency so i'm at the stage right now where i'm trying to lean into that and i'm kind of experimenting like all right if i put a piece of suryu in my filter will that provide enough kh to potentially uh you know, stop any melt. So I'm just, I'm just trying stuff, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, and that's why I'm always hesitant to, you know, give all the answers to a beginner or stuff. I know what works for me. And I also doesn't don't, I, I also know what, what is difficult for me. So I'm hesitant to be like, oh yeah, you can do exactly what I do for, you know, a hundred bucks. I, I try and be transparent and say like, Hey, I, I put a lot of money into this cause I love it. It's like a huge part of my life. And it can also be a real pain in the butt sometimes because, uh, sure. yeah, science is is not perfect uh, when it comes to what we do. That's good. I like that, that you include the message in there about, about you know, some sense of cost and investment and, and also, you know, feeling like it's worth it or whatever. Um, when you get into photography, videography, cameras and all that gear and that whole Music, world. guitar, it, it can all be... Yes thousands of dollars totally. and if you're not a guitarist you're gonna look at somebody's pedal collection and be like what is wrong with you right. but if you're a guitarist you might easily have you know thirty thousand dollars worth of pedals in your garage i mean you know we have to do the things we love it's it's one of the few things that is like innately good on this planet is like putting your passion into something so there's just no point in criticizing for for criticizing somebody for doing something they love you know it's right life is tough enough if you can find something you love and you pour your heart and soul and some of your finances into it it's like yeah it's it's your thing it's your passion i guess that angle will always exist and just just human nature there'll always be that side that says oh you're you're stupid for spending that much money you should have done this you should have gone to home depot and bought some some potting soil and then put kitty litter and rusted nails under it for, you know, or what, whatever this, you know, the DIY side of it yeah. is completely and totally fine. I think it makes something I'm obsessed with, and that is uh, predictable outcomes, a little more challenging, but maybe not. I don't know. I've never, was never a one to, I was never in a position to need to do DIY stuff, which is a position of uh, acknowledged privilege. You know, I certainly acknowledge sure. that but um i mean yeah you look at camera equipment for example and the amount of content creator uh the the amount of stuff on just cameras you know and and people with massive massive followings and there's you know there's 200 guys with million subscriber followings that do a different version of the camera review game and all this stuff and i'm going these are multi-thousand dollar objects here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just, but you get to aquarium somehow and sometimes the, uh, maybe it's just from an aquarium keeping kind of culture or demographic or whatever you want to call it. Like a, there's always a desire to want to hack or to kind of cut a corner or do I have to do right. that? Or darn it, can I have the HC carpet without the CO2 and all that? And it's like, well, maybe you can, but um if you want a predictable outcome, you know, and then pointing out that this could have some cost ramifications that were unforeseen, such as yeah. the melting plants and all that. I think it's, I, I might be advocating for uh, even greater transparency and even greater sense of 
these are just realities of doing it going yeah. in. Because when I watch what happens to some of my, my larger aquascapes, when I have a big melt situation, I'm going, man, if this was a beginner or somebody's first yeah. or second layout yeah. and this happened to them, it might be over after that. I mean, it's you would give because, up. you know, yeah. I'm going, yeah, I'm just grabbing plants off the, off the shelf. You know, content creator is not always, not always, but often getting plants from somebody or there's a sponsorship component or whatever. Right. And you do develop a little less sense of, you know, cost and all that when a box shows up and you're yeah. doing it in a layout with it. Right. And we're all just there with popping open cup after cup. And I'm going, you know, retail, that's a twelve ninety nine cup of, of uh, plants there. And yeah, the, the yield may be good, but we're still, uh, we still needed six of just that one species. Uh, right. You know, cups at twelve ninety nine, and they all melted. You know, so I don't know. I might be spending too much time on something that doesn't have a clear no. answer. That's why I like the awareness side. To me, is so important. Yeah, I, I think that's a good, really, really important point to bring up because we've talked so much about you know how do we connect with the general public? How do we spread this? And and yeah, I think transparency has to be a part of it. Um, and and it's probably something I can do better on. I mean, just having this conversation, you're giving me ideas for videos like you know the dark sides of aquascaping the realities sure. that you know we deal with it's yeah i think you got to show people those sides of things because it's uh it just kind of lets them know what they're signing up for but if you and i are proof i mean i have lost at this point if you add up all the the melted you know plants and failed experiments in theory i've lost thousands of dollars over the last yeah. seven years in in terms of uh you know things kind of not going right but you, that's how you know this hobby is so awesome. Not once have I ever considered, oh, man, I got to stop doing this or like sure. this isn't for me. Yeah, It's frustrating in the moment, but I can't stop. It, it's so awesome. And, and I'm so driven by uh, by by the results and, and the learning experience. And, you know, how can I maybe reduce that that melt next time? How, what Can I narrow this, this down to something? Because... We're all still discovering techniques, you know. We're still in the early stages of um, of this hobby, where there is room to totally revolutionize things, and and that's what's exciting. You know, it's not like film, which is still a fairly new medium, but has been around, you know, since uh, over a hundred years. Aquascaping, not so much. We're still in no. its, you know, infancy stages. Yeah. So we're all trying to figure it out. Even even Good the point. best people in the world. Uh, Good point. Yeah. yeah. Have you messed with dry start and or dark start methods and if so did they mitigate any of these issues for you yeah so i i've messed with dry start pretty extensively um so dry start is a pretty good way i find to uh potentially reduce risk of um like disaster um and I, I hypothesize that it just gives your plants a little bit of extra time to root before all those water chemistry fluctuations happen. That said, I still experience some melt. And um, anecdotally, um, I find that if you use subpar plants during dry start, depending on the species, they'll tend to go through some melt. That Iwagumi I just set off, I had some Monte Carlo sitting around for like three weeks. So a couple of the cups are like getting a little bit dry. And yeah, I do find that those spots are probably going to need replanting. But generally speaking, uh, pretty good results with with um, dry start. I, I think the cool thing about dry start, if you're somebody with very limited resources, 
more than anything, it's like a good way to like have your plants spread out before you flood it if you're a patient human being. Dark start, I'm really curious about because, you know, what I call that red zone, like the early stages, first few weeks of an aquascape's life where the water chemistry is fluctuating quite a bit as the, the soil is leaching things. Um, yeah, that's where we lose a lot of hobbyists is <laughs> in those first few weeks. So um, I've seen a lot of promising stuff with Dark Start, and uh, you know, theoretically, it it all makes sense to me. I've yet to try it myself, um, and I really want to. Yeah, I, I I'm yet to try it as well, though it was probably more intriguing to me than the than the Dry Start stuff, only because I thought, well, I mean, clearly it's working, and it it has successful outcomes associated with it. It always kind of seemed like, well. You're still working with more the immersed or emergent, you know, format of the plant, and you're going to add water in it. It's going to need to acclimate or yeah. uh, adjust just the same. And there's obviously species that I think the takeaway is well, dark start. I mean, or dry start's not going to be particularly helpful because you're keeping the plant in a form that it is inherently going to change once there's water and there's no right. way around that conversion right. is going to be stress, et cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, and for me, it's probably just the, it's not impatience. It's more of my settings maybe aren't conducive to having it sitting there for some time covered up looking like a foggy box uh, <laughs> yeah. until the carpet is established or, or whatever. Dry, uh, dry or dark start rather on the other hand to me is, Maybe more intriguing because it seems to be focused on dealing with things like uh, wood that is giving off a lot of tannins and going through the uh-huh. uh, the slime phase and all that kind of stuff. So if nothing else, you're just able to very aggressively deal with that in a way that's not hurting the plants as much or stressing the plants out as much. With you know, you could presumably flush out a tank, you know, where you're changing even more than a hundred percent of the water and right. um, be very aggressive with slime removal and then flushing it out and all that kind of stuff. So makes, makes more sense to me. I'm definitely something I'm wanting to give a try. I do run into the same problem in the gallery uh, setting where again, now I have this aquarium that's got some week or two or whatever of being generally rather unsightly while it's going through the process. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've seen more kind of action around that too. And I don't know, could make some, an interesting experiment and accompanying video content uh, on your side too, kind of just sharing more of those experiences. I, it, for me, it's anything that stands to improve that point of entry experience for people. You know, it's just uh, if you can, the more you can, and if that means going through an ugly phase for a couple of weeks to have, a smoother road after that, um, you know, I think that's super viable. And great point, too, about, you know, we are in the early days as well. If you just count Amano's, ADA's recorded history is just now at 30 years. Uh, and, of course, there was a long run there where it was just them or Amano and his company, to a lesser extent, doing something we now call aquascaping. And there wasn't even, outside of Japan, it was still something relatively unknown uh, for so we could probably say more like 20 years it, was, it just hasn't even been that long I guess so a lot of this stuff you're right we're still sorting it out um, as somebody yeah. who came to this by way of 
Amano's work, at least in some capacity in your early days of wanting to make what I think you called a better fish tank, um, finding yeah. Mr. Amano's work and going, oh, wow, now here's here's what I really wanted to do and maybe didn't even know it. Um, I recently had a, a podcast with uh, Heiko Blair, uh, the, the famous Heiko Blair. Mm-hmm. It's discovered an untold thousands of species, very more than likely if you have a tetra in your aquascape, he's the man that discovered it and brought it to the hobby, um, the overwhelming majority anyway. And he made this point because he was very close with Mr. Mono. Mr. Mono was a big fan of Heiko's. Um, and it was that Amano never used the word aquascape and that uh, the word aquascape is even a made up word. It's not in the it's not in a formal print dictionary. Now I could yeah, find I know it, it on yeah. I found it online in these online dictionaries that kind of are functioning like a Wikipedia where people yeah. can go in and submit in some it somebody's name was even by it that had gone in and added the word aquascape to this online dictionary. So that I mean that's fine. And it's a word where I'm not even trying to be technical about it. I'm just saying um that you know, he made the point Amano never used the word aquascape. It was always nature aquarium. And I think now that still even lingers as a, as a style. When you see an Amano or an ADA or whatever style aquascape, you may say, oh, that's nature aquarium style. Right, um, right. It's just sort of an interesting thing. And now I find myself a little bit hesitating before I use the word, it's it's gotten in my head a little bit, that, uh, you know, <laughs> just to say aquascape. So we're, we talk about aquascaping, we directly reference Amano and his, his inspiration, all that kind of stuff, which, you know, I, I acknowledge it needs to move past all that too, you know, but um, I don't know, interesting scenario, because I think what were the, the patterns or the sequences we're following are rooted more in nature aquarium and yet there's a few key things that were maybe left out uh that in pursuing aquascaping i think we might have missed a little bit of the nuance of the nature aquarium like we there's more of a rush to uh the composition right without that really deeper understanding of the the philosophy of this of of an aquarium that does those particular functions, you know, of like the active photosynthesis and the intense uh, f- uh, attention to the microbiome of the substrate and the filter and right. and all of that. And in pursuing scaping, we might have forsaken a little bit of uh, of that of that side of things. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm just curious how that how that resonates with you. Oh, it's yeah, it's such an interesting thing to think about. And I, I remember when you posted that clip on um, Instagram, I, th- I think I was like lying in bed right away. And it's like right away, my brain started racing. I was like, ooh, I, I have thoughts on this. This is so interesting. Because um, th- that was the first I ever heard of that. I, I, I'm hyper aware that aquascaping is not a word because every time I write, um, you know, script notes or, or notes for a video or a, an Instagram post, it gets like auto corrected or it's underlined in red. And it's like, it's really frustrating because sometimes it, it gets auto corrected in the something I did not intend. So, yeah, first of all, this is not a word. I mean, yeah, we use it colloquially, but uh, technically it is not, I guess, a Merriam Webster word. I'm, I'm sure that'll change in the near future. Sure. 
Um, but I think to to really hone in on your point of um, have we lost what Mr. Amano, you know, envisioned with the nature aquarium style? I think in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. And I think tis the nature of of any craft or or art form. You're always going to have these founders that embody core values. And, you know, to this day, um, you know, Mr. Amano's contemporaries carry those values on. But then there are these crazy renegade scapers who are gluing things with cement and defying physics. But we need those people to redefine you know, aquascaping, if Nirvana had never came out with Smells Like Teen Spirit, you know, music would, would not have evolved. And at that time, I have seen so many interviews of um, people from that era who, when they, you know, famous musicians who, when they heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, every single one of those musicians always said, what the heck is this? Yep. And I think we're getting to experience that with aquascaping just at this crazy accelerated rate because of the nature of the internet. Yeah, things just grow and replicate and and uh, deviate like exponentially faster now with the Internet and how easy it is to share information. Um, so I think that is OK. And yeah. um, while I'm not old, I'm 32. I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. So I do find myself in some avenues of life with music in particular. I think they call it like old man shouting at clouds where I'm like, oh, music ain't what it used to be. Where's the melody? Where's the intro? Um, and I, I try my best to to kind of put the brakes on myself and and be like, no, like this stuff needs to happen because, you know, that kid who's sitting in his bedroom who's 12 years old who maybe doesn't know who Amano is, but he saw this amazing, you know, thing on Instagram. It, it inspires him to create the next style of scape. It's going to feel weird to us and it's going to feel wrong, but we need those renegades to to redefine what's possible. So I think, you know, those two aspects of the nature aquarium and the scape, they're not mutually exclusive. They can come together and, and you know, harmonize really well. And I, I think your work, Jeff, um, is a really nice combination of having that natural feel and that natural approach while still being very scape centric. You know, all the stuff you do feels very contemporary and artsy, but you seem to have a very strong understanding of the spirit. Um, so you can combine those things and I see it all the time, but you can totally go either path, you know, and and go totally nature style where maybe you're like super into the biotope, you know, correct aspect of things, but you're lacking a bit on composition or you could just go purely, you know, scape compositional. So there, there are many, you know, roads to achieving your goals in, in that sense. I just think we have to be open to to what's possible and and let people get a little bit crazy and and redefine you know what what's possible. Yeah. Well, Logan. On that note, uh, fantastic conversation, man. Excellent yeah. points. Uh, most definitely. Uh, very cool. And um, yeah, hopefully, uh, in some kind of way, these conversations uh, lead to a little more awareness of some of these other topics and other things to explore uh, in the content. Again, all this attention around the newcomer, the beginner, et cetera, um, I think just building a, a better foundation um, at that point of entry experience is so vital. And I can definitely see you're on that path and you're uh, committed to that kind of work and that kind of message. And I, I think it's awesome, man. So uh, thanks, great energy, Jeff. great energy, great talk. Really appreciate it, man. And uh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, very cool. Look forward to speaking to you again, man.
Sounds great. All righty. Take care.